Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Got to get used to this. It's a, a earpiece microphone. You got to get used to talking through that. But um, well, I wanted to to take a, an intentional pause here at the beginning. Um, he sold a little bit of the thunder. I'll be honest. He gave a little bit of his journey away. But um, I I just wanted to stop as a as a congregation and and give honor where honors due. Um, not only the fact that this is a, an honor and a privilege to be in the pulpit that he, Pastor Kerr, our leader, has done such an incredible job leading through, um, but it's an honor and a privilege just to be up here and to have you back. And it's, it's uh, so if we could just show a little honor to our leader. Yeah. We have all been very grateful for your, for your uh, time to be away, uh, but there is no replacing the giant size hole um, that was left uh, in your absence, and so we are just so grateful to be reminded um, just how incredible that not only you, but really your wife, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. um, as I watched Jingle Jam happen last night, and nobody makes things happen like Jan Gentry, if you don't know that. And so we are so grateful for the, that family, uh, you guys, and just uh, sometimes it's it is interesting in life, you learn through um, almost absence more than you do presence. You know, you, the, old, the old thought, you never knew what you had until you lost it. And sometimes in the absence of things that we get familiar and used to, you realize how grateful you are for their presence when they're back. And so I, I just, I, I think that's been a great way that uh, in my life that the Lord has taught me and I've learned and, and, and through uh, even your sabbatical, just thinking about the conversations that we didn't get to have and we do get to have now and the, the things I get to check in on and hey, what do you think about this? How can I handle this? And, and so uh, those are things I think about when you go through different seasons of your life. And, and even today uh, in this Advent season, um, Dr. Dan obviously did an incredible job just, just knocking it out of the park, and thanks for setting the bar a little too high for me, but um, I, I'm, I loved your message. It was wonderful. We talked through it through Bible study. Uh, the men appreciated the, just the, the new perspective even, you know, looking at the, the different graphs. If you missed that, you can always go back online on our YouTube and, and check out those sermons. Um, but in Advent season, that the, it's really about this leaning into, if you will. It, it, the goal is, is that we lean into the season and, and not get caught up in the, the uh, commotion or the hype or, the, or as many people have, have say in this time, the, the reason for the season is, is Christ. And it's not the gifts, it's not the trees, it's not all the other stuff. That's fun stuff, but that's not the reason and so as we're in this Advent season, it's really about the posturing of our hearts and, and leaning into repentance and reflection and making sure that our hearts are postured correctly for the main reason for this season. And out of the overflow of that posture, out of the overflow of leaning into that repentance and that reflection time, that, that we would be most able to show people the reason for this season. Amen? Yes, and so week one, we talked about that word light and, and that, that without that light, there, there, we would not know love, that we would not have the ability to even posture our own hearts without that light coming down to us. And so um, throughout the Psalms, uh, which have always been one of the places that I park most often in my morning reflection time, um, and the one that even Pastor Kurt read this morning, I just, 
It's, it's one of those things that really just move my heart in my morning devotional time. And, and one of the things that you see inside of the Psalms is you'll read a couple verses and then you get that word. What's that word? Salah, right? You get this like S-E-L-A-H and it's like this, this, this point inside of the, the rhythm. There's this, rhythm, this rhythmic like uh, poetic, it's song, it's worship, it's prayer, it's lamenting, it's whatever it is. It's like a, it, there's a build up, build up, build up and then he's like Salah. And it's, it's this intentional point of pausing, praising, thinking, reflection. And, and that word even in this season is, is one of those that I think we could all take away today, like to have a pause moment, to have a reflection moment, to have a moment where, where all the busyness and all the things and traveling and gifts and events, who's overwhelmed with events and parties and work parties and Christmas parties and this party and that party. And, and there's, you have all these invitations to things, but Salah, this pause moment, of setting the temperature of our hearts correctly for this season. And I think that that is a beautiful illustration of the message, the theme today that we'll be reading together. If you've been following along in your devotional, you'll recognize some of the verses and the the, uh, quotes that we use today. But Psalms 85.7 is where we will open up together. If you got your word, flip it open. If you got your Bible, uh, scroll it open. Does that work, I guess? Scroll it open, just stay off social media. Um, and then if your phone rings, I'll answer it for you. But uh, if you flip open to 85, Psalms 85, verse 7. Salah. Intentional pause, reflection. To set our mind on things that are eternal, maybe even. It could be said, or the word forever would be a better translation of that word. But... Psalms 85.7, and it says this, 85.7, it says, show us your steadfast love. Everybody say steadfast. Show us your steadfast love, and O Lord, grant us your salvation. And so we, um, we, we know this word very well, but of course in this context, when it was written the way that David and, and even the Psalms are referencing this, this word salvation, which we less understand it in the way that they meant it, but they really mean, mean it in like a rescue me. Like I need physical rescue from this oppression that we are in, Lord, that, that your blessing and your grace and your mercy, they did not quite understand salvation in the New Testament way, in the English way, the American church way, that, that this salvation really was like a rescue. It was a save me from where we are, Lord. I know that you can rescue and restore us back to what we had. And so when, he, when they're saying, show us this steadfast love, that's in your devotional again, that steadfast love, it's really, um, uh, it, it's a kind of love, this, this, this kind of love that, that gets lost inside of the New Testament translation. But the Old Testament, this Old Testament translation of, of like steadfast love, it really had like this theme of um, like bowing if you will, this, this thing of, of long-term commitment, this, this I can depend on you regardless of what happens, that Lord, show us that love and that grace and that mercy that you have historically always shown up and showed us. Show us that love, Lord. 
And sometimes in the New Testament, it's not that it's even wrong. It's just even that as we understand it more or differently, it's kind of intermixing with that word agape love. Everybody ever heard of agape? Like this love that only the Lord has for us, that we can only get from the Lord. But sometimes those are a little bit interchangeable. But, but that steadfast love that he's talking about right here, it really is that word hasad, hased, is the, the kind of uh, the, the way that the Hebrew word would be uh, said. And this is what that word means, that steadfast love. It means the meaning has no English or Greek equivalent. So the Greek, the New Testament translation, really there's not an equivalent word. They have to begin putting a lot of words together and have like hybrid combinations. But so there's not really like this English or a Greek. And so what we're left with is understanding that this word hased, that's that steadfast love, if you will, the hased kind of love. There's the agape, the hased kind of love. The meaning has no English or Greek equivalent. And so really that root word of this hased kind of love that that verse is talking about and many other are, it really has this like, this idea of bowing one's head, like lowering what I can do, what I want to do to better you. I I take my rights and I lower them down below what you even deserve or have earned and I give this to you. I bow my own ability, I, I take my own will, my own wants and I place them below you. That way I can give you something that maybe you can't give yourself or that you need because we are in a what? Covenant relationship. And so this covenant relationship, there's this agape love that we've been given that you can't earn, you haven't ever been good enough, you will never be good enough to earn. But then there's this like said kind of love that's like a covenant relationship. Because you've been given something, you are now in this covenant long-term loving relationship where you give to the other person something that they deserve and need now because you are in a covenant relationship. So when we think about that steadfast love, this covenant relationship, that love, hasad, hased, it's what is the greatest parallel that we have in our human relationships? What's the gift that the Lord has given us that's a covenant relationship? Marriage. Marriage. It it, it is the greatest symbol, sign, reflection of the kind of relationship that you and I are supposed to be in with father in covenant relationship and marriage. And so that hasad kind of love, that hased kind of love, like this kind of love that you give to somebody else, that you lower yourself to somebody else. Ephesians says what in marriage to what? What's that word that we don't like in church a lot of times? Submit. We only like it when it's helpful, right? But Ephesians says that we are to submit to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. And so this bowing of our head, like this submission, this giving up what I want, or even, let's salah for a second. Sinful nature comes into collision with agape love and this, this spiritual awakening happens, right? Inside of this pause, this Salah moment, we have this agape love that touches our sinful heart and we begin transforming. And so in this kind of love, I no longer am actually laying down what I want. I'm actually having a pause and reflection on the things I used to want. I actually don't want anymore. 
And so it's this transformation of the heart of where I can lay down what I used to actually get pleasure and enjoyment out of, and now I actually find pleasure and enjoyment in laying myself down before you. Marriage, that, that kind of love that, that only a spouse, a, a man and a woman can share together. When I lay down what I used to want more, the, the golf time or the video game time or the whatever your cup of tea was, now I lay down that cup of tea for her cup of tea. And it may be coffee and not tea anymore. But then somewhere inside of that love relationship, I realize I actually have more enjoyment giving her what she needs and she wants than I ever had just fulfilling my own needs and wants. It's a beautiful transformation of the heart of a human and it's one of the greatest illustrations of God's love in our lives. Amen? And so this uh, Ephesians, um, that word submit obviously kind of gets beat up a lot, but uh, another thing, and I, I've had the honor and privilege of doing a lot of weddings. We had a lot of young adults that decided to get married um, at our previous church. And I bet you we had 20 weddings in a few years. It was just a lot of weddings that I, I, I had the privilege and honor of being a part of. But one of those things that I always just hit really hard was, and this is what we say, uh, until death do us part, right? And the two shall become. And sometimes we just say that and we don't really think about it, but like think about mathematically for my, my math people out there. I, I know some of us can't count like super high. I use my fingers and stuff, but, but mathematically when the two become, what happens? It's not addition. Like we, we think about in relationship and marriage and, and love that, that somehow I get to bring my, this all that I want and all that you want and the two become like four or something or, or like this addition happens. But what happens inside of this love, this said kind of relationship between you and father and then you and spouse, the two become one. And so there is a part of you that doesn't go on past that covenant. There's a part of us in this love relationship that, 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 that no longer goes forward as who you are, as your identity. And so as we come into that submission, that bowing of our head, that steadfast love, commitment, and relationship, the more we take on of becoming him, his identity, to become Christ-like, we can lay down our own wants, our own desires, that hased, that, that love we can begin to even understand. Let's keep going together. Um, many scholars do feel like this word hased that I keep repeating um, really is best translated uh, loving kindness, steadfast love. You see, they take uh, a single word, which we would do in English, or, and they, they really have to put a couple words together because the, 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 the multifaceted uh, meaning on both words is the only way to get as close to the real true meaning of the original word. And so they, they take these double words and they like slam them together. And so loving kindness, steadfast love, and there's a whole laundry list of them, loyal love and faithful love and, and all of these combinations. And, but one thing that I really was resting on this week, that Salah moment, that pause reflection kind of moment, is sometimes we get that submission kind of love, the hased kind of love, the covenant love. We put the cart before the horse sometimes in our hearts and minds. You see, without God's original 
agape kind of love, we would never have the ability to love him in this way. And we have this season specifically, this Advent season is to pause, repent, reflect. Even as our leader said this morning in his own time, he was, he was saying, bleeding all of these years, I can still get my eye off of the one. I didn't walk away, but maybe I'm not walking where I was supposed to sometimes. And we can do this as believers. And so sometimes we get our obedience kind of love, this, this, this relational, I'm gonna change my outward behavior kind of mannerisms before we actually salah, reflect on the kind of love that Jesus has given us. And so we find this in John 3, 16. And, and again, one of these verses that easily we just kind of whoop, skip right through and we, we move past it too fast and we don't pause and actually reflect on what's being said. And so as we look at John 3, 16, it, it says, for God, this word right here, again, it's two words that they've got to like crash together because it's not just love. He so loved like for God so loved, like a love that we cannot experience without a supernatural transformation, literally taking our heart hostage and changing us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Salah, think about that. What does that even look like? I actually have had the ability to think about this a little bit more intimately than I probably ever have. Wesley, our child, little baby Wesley. We're getting plenty of sleep. Thank you, everybody, for your prayers. <laughs> think about it. Let's just personalize it and keep that verse up for a second for me. For, let's, let's move God, for Brandon. Right, let's make it personal or your name. Put it in there if you need to. For Brandon so loved that he took his baby Wesley that I've got this immeasurable love for. I can't even, I can't quantify it. I can't explain it. And I said, I love you so much that I'm gonna take baby Wesley. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let her be put in a manger with animals and poop and straw with no place to go as a baby. And then I'm gonna let her be crucified to rescue you. As parents, that, that makes that sound a little different. I so loved you, even though you spit in my face. I so loved you that I gave my my only son, my, my only child, this child that I love so much, I, I so loved you, that I let my child be crucified, that you may even just have a chance to respond. We don't get to be in covenant relationship without that happening first. In this season of Advent and reflection, it's about pausing and thinking about that, 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 that God so loved you in your mess and in your distress that, that he gave his child to not only live this lowly life, to bow his head below you, to lay himself down and put his child inside of a manger that's dirty and poopy and, and to be crucified and not intervene and stop it when he could. 
It's one thing for the loss of a child, but it's a whole other thing that I could have stopped the loss of a child and I did it that way you could be rescued. And that's what this season is for, is that, is that we would understand that the love that we are able to experience is only because of the love that he gave us without earning it. Amen? Okay, so let's talk about Advent just a little bit together here. Uh, Advent, um, this word, uh, Advent, it's actually derived from a Latin word. Uh, it's called Adventus. Everybody say Adventus. Is that right? Adventus, right? Meaning coming. Most of the time we love celebrating in this season, definitely Christmas, is baby little cute Jesus, right? Like the birth of Jesus coming and showing up. And, and so not only do we celebrate the birth of Jesus, which is kind of a little bit more popular, if you will, in this season. We got the mangers and we got like the little figurines and wise men and all that stuff. But Advent, but we also recognize our waiting, and so again, this season is not only to remember the love that we have been given, but that we can give, but then it's also a posture that we reposition our hearts in this season of waiting for the second coming of Jesus to get his bride. We remember the things that are most important. We realign ourselves to that which is eternal and forever, that, that when Jesus, when, that, when it cracks open that sky and he comes to get his bride and we reposture our hearts to that thought, that everything that we do and everything that we are is aligned to his second coming. How many people in here just love waiting? <laughs> <laughs> nobody we don't wait well you know I don't know about you but I, no joke this happened I know I like to tell on myself a little bit I, for some reason it's like my repenting I think sometimes like Lord I'm sorry I'm gonna tell these people how bad I am like this really happened and Mary Lou don't get mad at me but this it made me think of you and I's relationship and how much I love you after I did this but I'm at Fry's and baby Wesley's screaming her head off in the back of the car uh, and I'm pulling through there, and there is this sweet lady that's not moving as fast as I would have walking through the crosswalk as I'm driving, okay? And Mary Lou did make me think of our relationship, and afterwards, not before. And no joke, I'm sitting there in the crosswalk, and my, where does my hand go? I know, it's terrible. I went to the horn almost. Like, we are not patient people sometimes. And then, and then I had this moment of, like, you're not in that big of a rush. You're not that important, Brandon. You don't need to get anywhere that quick. But, but somebody's in the crosswalk that's maybe moving a little bit slower than I would like them to, to be going, and I'm impatient. We're not good at waiting most of the time, right? And I repented, and I'm sorry that I, I felt that way. But those are the truths, like crosswalks are, who, who's the person that walks up to a checkout line, and they stand there, and they, they debate if two people in this or three people in that is going to be quicker or faster, and you take a few seconds, and you change the lanes occasionally. Go ahead, and let's repent together. Hands up. Amen. All of you need two communions today when we do that, okay? <laughs> in this Advent season, like, as we're looking at the meaning, it's not just thank you, baby Jesus, for showing up. Thank you for giving your life. It's thank you, Lord, that you're coming back to get his bride. And it's about the way that we wait for him to arrive. You see, but this messes us up as, 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 as American Christians, as Dr. Dan so eloquently, he put it last week that this word waiting, it does mess us up inside of our own English because that word waiting is I'm waiting to get what I want until I get it, I'm not gonna be happy, right? 
Most of the time I'm waiting, God, I'm waiting for this to change. I'm waiting for that to change. This word waiting is not I'm just waiting for him to arrive because no man knows the hour. This word waiting spiritually means who are you while you're waiting? What are you doing while you're waiting that really matters? It's the person you're becoming while waiting that's most important. Yes, Jesus is coming to get his bride, but we have to reposture our hearts in this season and wait the way he's telling us to wait and reach his people for him. Are you guys with me? But sometimes we do tend to focus on the object of our desire and this is out of your devotionals, but in your readings this week, rather than the provider. Sometimes we do tend to focus on these objects of our desire rather than the provider. But really, no matter who you are or what the subject of your petition is, the one you're actually waiting for, this, this person, this thing that we're waiting for, is God. And I easily kind of plug in the blanks and find different things that I'm waiting on. And most of the time, it's not God. I can put desires or wants or, or things that I think that are important. I can plug them into that. But the one that we're really waiting on is God. And see, some of us would even like to say, um, uh, I guess if you prefer maybe the prophetic voice of the Rolling Stones. You know what I'm talking about. You don't always, you don't always get what you you don't always get what you want, but sometimes you might just get what you need. And that's what this season truly is about, not listening to Rolling Stones. Don't look that up. That's terrible. I don't even know what the song really means, to be honest with you, but, but I know what it means to me is that you don't always get what you want, but most of the time when I realize it's never been about what I want, but it's about what I need the most, you see, in Peter Cesaro, he even says it this way, which I, one of my favorite writers, if you need something to read, go look his stuff up. But sometimes we think we are waiting on God when God is actually waiting on us to let go. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God, but really God is waiting on us to let go. Okay, who's that, right? Sometimes I'm in here waiting, God, when are you gonna show up? But really God's waiting on us to let go. He's actually waiting on us to let go to release control. Hmm. Remember that collision of love. The love of God meets our sinful broken heart, right? And we have this collision between the things I used to want, the things I used to need, and then all of a sudden this like metamorphosis happens, right? This transformation begins taking place inside of our heart that the things I used to want, I no longer want. I had to die to those things. I had to stop allowing myself to continue to, in, to think I enjoy these things. And, and repentance, that word repentance, what does it mean? It means a change of mind, a change of heart. It almost means even a, a new mind. That, that somehow when we, this collision of being a wretched sinner and this collision of his transforming love, it's like this, this changing of heart and mind to turn away from the things I used to do to stop allowing myself to, to reach back into those things that, that old cabinet of desires and wants and go, Lord, I want what you want. But in the middle of this collision, sometimes it takes us a lot. A pause. Because somewhere inside of that cosmic divine relationship of changing and transformation, I've got to die to the thing 
that I've held on to for so long. And this is the really hard part of this. Sometimes I have to die to things that get me good results, things that are effective. You know what's even harder for Brandon? Sometimes I gotta die to the things that the world applauds the loudest. Great job, Brandon. Sometimes I have to die to those things. That's hard, because I really need the world's affirmation down in my sinful heart. That part of me that he's uprooting, you know, that he's had a pickaxe to. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta get a chainsaw. But it's effective, God. People pleasing is great. But the problem with that is, it's a lie. If you have to please people with a version of yourself that God doesn't actually want you to be, then you're not really pleasing them. You're not really doing what's best for them. If you did what's best for them, you're loving them like Christ loves us. You know, and inside of that Peter Cesaro quote, God is actually waiting on us to let go, to release control, to die and receive something new. This season of waiting that that we would even say we've been in over the last few years. You know, this, we're waiting for this, we're waiting for that. Well, we're all waiting. (laughs) We're all waiting. And so it's not a season we're in, it's a life we're in of waiting. And how do you wait? And so I've been studying scripture and there's a few little things that I found and and I'm gonna do my best to to land this plane um, on time. But here's a few things that I found. First thing was in Genesis 12.1 that in Genesis 12.1, this is one of those things that terrify me in the waiting. When when I'm waiting, Lord, I want details. I I I want exact details of how this is gonna happen and I'll wait just how you tell me to wait. But I need some details. Like I need some answers on how this is gonna work out. When we look at this, the Lord said to Abram, he said, leave your country. Leave everything, leave your relatives, leave your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Leave everything you know, he said. He said, leave your family, leave your father's family, leave your country. And he said, I'll just show you. I just want you to pack up and I want you to start going. And in the middle of him saying that and in the middle of actually finding where it is that God was sending him, he didn't have the information or the details on what it was gonna look like. That kind of waiting, and it's repeated in scripture, even in this, in Psalms 119, 105. And so, and, and so Abram didn't know where he was going. He couldn't actually go know the destination. He didn't know the direction. He didn't even know how it was that he was supposed to get where he was supposed to be going. The only thing that he could do is watch where his feet were every day. Advent, reflection, pause, salah, right now in this moment. So many of us are so consumed on what the destination looks like, but God is actually more concerned with where you are right here, right now, the person you are, where your feet currently stand. And so as I take steps of obedience and walking through this waiting season, his word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. He doesn't tell you where the path is gonna be and what it's gonna look like. And it never looks even like we think it's gonna look like. But the only thing I can control is to take stock and inventory on who I am, where my feet currently are, and how I am waiting on him to come back and get his bride. Ephesians 6.15 repeats this idea of feet and shoes. If you know much about Ephesians 6, it talks about the spiritual armor that we put on, right? 
and the belt of truth, and then it goes into the shoes. You see, it's the shoes that we put on. It's our spiritual armor for put on the peace. So that way my feet on the journey where I'm going, my feet are covered in peace. And everywhere I go, I take peace with me. Peace is not a destination. Peace is not the the receiving of what you've been waiting for. My singles who have gotten married and like, just when I can get married, this will change and I won't struggle with this. It doesn't change. You know, when I, when I just get this house, when I just make this income, when I get to this place, Lord, I'll be different. You don't change. Peace is not a destination. It is not the receiving of what you think you need. It's the place in which you currently stand where your feet, your shoes are. We put on that peace that comes from the good news. That way, wherever you go, you'll be fully prepared. That I take that peace with me wherever the Lord takes me. That, that peace, that good news, that agape love that, that transforms and changes us, that's the peace that we take with us on our journey. Amen? Steadfast love. To bow somebody's head, to submit. This was the last story that the Lord really just reminded me of. It's in Daniel chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We all know this, have heard this story potentially, and they're maybe telling it in kids this month or something. I don't know. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they make Nebuchadnezzar really upset. He, he, they create this golden statue, if you don't know the story, and when they play the flute or the harp or this music turns on, everybody is to submit and bow their head down to this statue in worship of King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? These three refuse to do this. And so they get brought before him and he's like, bow down to this statue. And they're like, we can't do this. And so in chapter 317, these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, if we are thrown in there, I'm praying, Lord, you better not throw me in there. <laughs> like, I, I like talking about the fire, but I don't wanna go in the fire. Lord, if, you, if we are thrown in there, the God who we serve will save us. He will rescue us from your power. Your majesty, they give honor where honors do right there. It's like, okay, you're, you are the king, but we're not bowing. We have a king. We are bowing, your majesty, but even if, everybody say even if. Even if he doesn't save us from that fire. Even if he told me, I'm not gonna save you, you gotta make a choice to get burned alive in the fire. I'm going in the fire still because I submit to one king to bow my head, to give up what I want in service and servitude of the real king, to give up my desires of life, my wants in life. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He throws him in the fire. Y'all know this. And what happens? He's looking in this fire like, did we not throw three people in there? Come here, all of his leaders, come here, come look at this. There's four men in that fire. There's four men and he says, come out of there. Come out of there, you guys, and tell me why is there four of you in this fire? And they come out of that fire. And and this is where we, we pick up on even 327. The officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, they crowded around these three men who have just been thrown in the fire. They saw that that fire hadn't touched them. 
Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. This is what stuck out. You'll miss this. It's easy to miss it. Like when you look at this verse that you see that not a hair on their head was singed, their clothing was not scorched. It goes on to even say that they didn't even smell like smoke. Some of us have been waiting and you've been in the fire, but you stink like the smoke. Waiting is not about getting what you want and complaining until it shows up. Waiting in the fire is a testimony to other people when you go through your fire and you don't even smell like the, the smoke in the fire you've been in. See, a lot of times we go in that fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we come out of it like a badge of honor, but I stink like smoke. <laughs> I stink like that trial, that crisis that I've been through, and sometimes people are watching us and they're like, well, that's a believer, and they went through the same thing I'm going through, and they look just as terrible or worse than I do, and I don't know if that whole God, agape love is real. It's not about getting what we want when we're waiting. It's about like being sh like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and coming out of that fire not smelling like it. Worship team, you can come up. I need to land this plane here in a couple minutes here. So as we salah and remind ourselves, Advent is a season of repentance. Everybody say repentance. Advent is this season of repentance of reminding ourselves, of reposturing our hearts, not only being grateful and thankful for the birth of Jesus, for the life of Jesus, for the sacrifice of Jesus, all those things, but the second coming. The way that we wait for the second coming of Jesus is critical, and this is one of those seasons that we remind ourselves of, of that, and we are able to, in Advent, to search our hearts and repent and seek after God, to remind ourselves of all that he's done. Go ahead and stand up on your feet for me. Get some blood flowing. And you can go ahead and put Psalms 85.2 on the screen for me and just leave it up there if you will. Today we're gonna have a, a reflection time which is communion. Uh, if, if you're not a member of this church but you, know, you are a believer and, and you, are, you have given your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to have communion with us. We love that. We enjoy sharing that with the body. Inside of the communion is the, the bread and the, the juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the, the bread in there, the, it represents the body that was broken of Jesus for you and I. That sacrifice. The blood represents the blood that he shed for the relationship that we could be in with him. And so we do this as believers to remind ourselves, to posture our hearts, to position our hearts back to a, a place of repentance and posturing that, that we are bowing our heads to you, Lord. Just a, a, a technical way that we do it is each row goes to this aisle. They come around, they grab their communion, come back through the middle and go back to your seats for us. But I would like you to grab it and then go back to your seats, but then have a salah moment. Like, have that pause moment. Ha ask yourself some of those questions this morning. How have I been waiting? What is the way, have I taken that peace with me everywhere that I've gone? 
Is there things inside of my heart that I need to repent for? Is there, have I been in the fire, but I stink like the fire? Lord, what might you have me do in this season to be prepared to become the person that you created and designed me to be? Let's read this together. And it says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. They always reminded themselves. They always reminded themselves you were favorable in their repentance. That the, the way to posture your heart toward repentance is to remind yourself of everything good that he's already done. And then you go forward, you restore the fortunes of Jacob, you forgave the iniquity of your people, and you covered all their sin. We're gonna go into a time of worship. If you'd bow your head, I'd like to pray with you and then we'll get communion after that. Holy Spirit, we can't save ourselves. Self-made, self-reliant, it's a sinful lie. Today, Lord, I ask that you just begin moving on people's hearts this morning. in this chesed kind of love, this covenantal relationship where I, I bow my head down to you, Lord. And I die to those things that, that, that are effective even. That get results. I even die to those things that you may have even called me to last season, Lord. This is you continue to transform us through this journey that I lay everything down on the table and I slide it across that table and I say, Lord, only you put the things back that I'm supposed to pick up. So as we do communion this morning, Lord, Lord just to honor you, I ask you to have a, an intimate conversation with each, pe- each person here that has their heart open. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. All right, this time when you're comfortable, go ahead and exit out your side aisle, come down and get communion, come back in the middle, and uh, let's have communion and worship. We'll have two worship songs together.